God is a good God. Amen. I believe that God has given me a word for this church. We're not videoing so I can be open. God has given me a word for this church. I find it sad that so much of our church decides that it's too dark to come. I don't mean to yell at those that came. But we've got to make a change. We've got to do something. We're coming to a place that we're going to make a decision. And that decision is going to be are we going to be satisfied to watch as we continue to do what we've always done? Are we going to be satisfied to die doing what we've always done? Are we going to stand up and change and fight? I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what schedule changes are going to be coming in the next couple of months. But I'm going to tell you, there's some coming. There's some coming. There are people voting with their feet. And I would rather make sure that what we do is effective rather than just traditional. I would rather make sure that we are proactively reaching the lost rather than setting back and being a safety net when somebody feels like it's time for them to have a little bit of the presence of God, they can always go where they've always went. Pastor, you sound angry. I'm a little annoyed. And why should Beth have to put up with all of it? (laughs) But I have no doubt that God gave me this message for this church. And I really don't have a whole lot of surprise that God would give me this message to preach on a night when only the faithful show up. Because the fringe is not going to change our church. The half-hearted, the half-committed, the ones that just want to listen and don't want to do. They're not going to change our church. We have got to make a difference. I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 6 is the verse that I'm going to read tonight. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. And Lord, I pray that you would reach down. And Lord, I want you. I need your anointing. Lord, I need to preach by your fire, by your power, by your strength. Lord, you you told me to preach this message. 
Lord, you told me to share this word. And Lord Jesus, I believe that you will bring about 160 and, and 100 and, and 200 times return for your word. Lord, I thank you, I praise you, and I glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. Many of you recognize this little phrase, this little verse that I read tonight as being the end or toward the end of the story of the poor widow that Elisha helped. The Bible says in, in, in verse number one of chapter four, it says that, that Elijah was preaching and it says that one of the uh, widow, a widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now let me talk for just a couple of minutes about the history of this passage that I opened the service with. This widow lady comes. Her husband was not just a faithful member. He was part of the school of prophets. There, when you go back and you research that, you remember that that in, in 2 Kings chapter 1, when Elijah and, and is walking and Elisha is following him from Bethlehem to Jericho and from Jericho across the Jordan all the way to Elisha, uh, to Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind and Elisha is waiting to receive his mantle. All along the way, there was a group of prophets that were learning from them. And they were they were saying, we, we know, Elisha, you know Elijah's going to depart from us. And Elisha kept saying, I know, be quiet. I, I, I referenced that. This man very possibly, very likely was a part of that group. He had seen works that Elijah had done. He watched as Elijah ascended into heaven in a whirlwind. Everything that he saw spiritually was powerful and bold and celebratory. Not only did he see the end of Elijah's day, Elijah's last miracle, parting the water of the Jordan River, but then he stood there and watched Elisha pick up the mantle of Elijah and come back, and he saw not only the last miracle of Elijah, but he saw the first miracle of Elisha. Oh, he knew what it meant to have church. He knew what it meant to celebrate. But somewhere down the line, he didn't understand what it meant. To take care of his own life. To the point that he had so many creditors that at his death, they come to take his sons as slaves. In all of his time of wanting to celebrate and wanting to praise and wanting to see miracles and wanting to see this, he never took care of his own business. Now his widow says, what am I going to do now? What's going to happen to me? She comes to Elisha. She says, you know who my husband was. You know. I want to read this again because, man, this is this, this powerful. 
One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you. Hear that verse. My husband who served you is dead. Serving you didn't get him nothing. He's still dead. He's graveyard dead. Stick a fork in him, he's done. Yes, I said that, Beth. He's done. Kick the bucket. And you know how he feared the Lord. But the creditors come. And it's threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Can I tell you something? Where this widow is is where our church is. Oh, we've had the shout downs. We've had the river flow. We've poured out the anointing oil. We've shouted. We've run. We've prayed, we've cried, we've fallen down, fallen down, fell down. We did carpet time. That's what we used to call it. We did carpet time in the spirit. We've spoken in tongues. Amen. Let me tell you something. Actually, I got a little more than 12. We got more people here. Won't you hear me? We have come to a place. And we've come in and we've went to the prophet and we've said, God, my husband, the church, is dead. There's no more. He's not bringing me back celebration anymore. He's not bringing me back shouts anymore. And not only is he dead, not only is what I've known dying or dead, but the future, the legacy that he left behind is going to be bound in slavery unless God does something. Our church, you have to be blind. To realize, to not to realize that we need to have a revival, and I don't mean a series of services. You got to be blind not to realize that we need to have an encounter with God. We are at a place that we need to reach our community, we need to grow. We need to see lost people saved. We need to see church people saved. We need to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need to see people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues to a point that they're not satisfied to go where the Spirit's not moving, but rather we need an encounter with the presence of God. So, Pastor, how do we get there? It's what God has showed me. In this story, he's shown me the steps that become important. The first thing 
Elisha asked her, what do you have in your house? And she says, nothing at all except a flask of oil. One translation says a little bit of oil. Can I tell you, as long as we still have an anointing, as long as we still have an anointing, I'm going to tell you, I set some things up tonight. And I found it amazing in some churches, if you want oil, all you're going to find is a little bitty jar. I went around trying to find a jar that didn't have much oil in it, and I had to start pouring oil out. We got jars and jars of olive oil in this church. It's like we're into anointing or something around here. But I poured mostly oil out of this. See, around here, we understand that anointing, we're never satisfied with just a little dab on the hand. We want 17 ounces over the head. I come into church and there's handprints on the doors. And I pick, half the time I pick up my mic and it falls out of my hand. It's so slick with oil. We, we understand anointing, but let me tell you something. As long as we have a little bit of an anointing, I can't find where I read this, but somewhere I read this story in some translation. And the woman said, all I have is an anointing of oil. What she was saying is, I forgot that I've got oil because what I have is so little that an anointing will use it all up. I got news for you, church. I've come by tonight and I've started this service and I've talked about how how bleak it looks and that the church is dead and that we've got to have life. But I got news for you. The answer to what we need is found in the anointing that God has placed on this house. And as long as we can hang on to the anointing, I don't care... I don't care what the service schedule is. I don't care what the attendance is. I don't care what time it is. I don't care if we do Sunday morning service and Sunday afternoon service or Sunday morning service and and Saturday morning service. I don't care when we have services. If there is an anointing, I don't care if we bring in an evangelist to preach every night. If we sing all day long, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if we do hymns or we do brand new songs. Tonight we did hymns and original songs. We did both hymns and songs that Sister Amy wrote. There ain't nothing newer. And fra- Nobody is singing, uh, Lord, I'm here. Is that the name of it? Nobody sings, Lord, I'm here, but Souls Harbor. And everybody in God's green earth sings, I'll fly away. Dear Lord, half the people listen to I Fly Away sung by people who also sing about drinking and going to the bars. Alan Jackson. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, di- I did just throw your country music gospel singer under the bus. Listen to the rest of his stuff before you talk, start talking about how great he is. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. 
I don't care what style of music we do. I don't care what it looks like as long as we've got some anointing in the house. As long as we understand that the anointing of God is still in the house, it is the oil that fuels our lamp. It is the oil that warms our soul. It is the oil that poured in over the wounds and the hurts and the pains. I've got news for you, church. We don't need a hundred people. We don't need a thousand people. All we need is a little bit of an anointing. And as long as we still have an anointing, we still have a future as long as we still have an anointing we still have a promise as long as we still have an anointing we still have a place we get all worked up I can only imagine Elisha this woman's come to him and she's probably a bit frantic and a bit angry Mama bears done come out. My husband served you. You're the one that kept dragging him off everywhere. See, it's because of people like Mike Rooks. Keeps dragging me off to do men and women of action stuff. Making me be away from my wife. Make me come back sore and complaining and whining and moaning. <laughs> I promise you Thursday night, Mike Rooks looked like a zombie sitting in that trailer. He was like, I thought, my word, Lord, give him strength. He got up Friday morning, though. He was talking again. We're like, Mike's alive. <laughs> he served you, this woman says. She was blaming Elisha that she raised those boys because he was off chasing Elijah and Elisha. And now he's dead. And his creditors have come. And not only is my husband gone who went off chasing after you and what God was doing in you, but now he's gone and the creditors have come and they're going to take my boys. You better do something. Mm, this was Sister Sarah. She'd be walking up there. She'd tell me before she got to Elisha, she'd go, I'm going to cut somebody. I'm going to cut somebody. I just embarrassed the daylight. She's even turning red. That's funny. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to cut somebody. My Mama Bear is upset. And Elisha... It's like, whoa, what can I do to help? That, men, that is the smartest thing to say when the women are upset. What can I do to help? What do you need? Tell me what you have. And her first instinct is I have nothing. People quit coming. The budget's tight. We struggle getting people to work in ministries. We don't have time. We don't have money. We don't have attendance. I don't have anything except I do have a little bit of oil. I don't have nothing. Oh, yeah, I got, I got a little bit of oil. 
I can almost see Elisha as he goes, got a little bit of oil, we're okay. Because when there's a little bit of an anointing in the house, everything else is going to fall in place. I'm going to tell you, we may be in a valley. We may be going through a rough time. We may be going through a hard time, but there's still an anointing in the house. We're still a harbor for hurting souls. There's still some people out there hurting somewhere that need what this church has. We still got an anointing. And as long as we remember that we still have an anointing, we still have a future. We still have a power. So the first thing we've got to understand to realize how to make it through the challenging time is that we're going to make it as long as we still have an anointing. The next thing I see is he says, Elisha says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. As long as we still have neighbors. Let me tell you something. The answer to our problem is not setting in the church. The answer to our issues is not playing keyboards and singing and playing drums and playing guitars. The answers to our problem is not the guy that gets up and yells in the microphone. The answer to what we need is in the hands of our neighbors. As long as we still have neighbors, we still have people to reach. As long as we still have neighbors, we still have people that need healing. As long as we still have neighbors, we can find victory in their garbage. You want to know what's wrong with the church? You know what's wrong with our church? I've been your pastor for seven years. I'm part of the problem. I've been in, I've been in ministry. I was, thinking, I was thinking about this yesterday or today. I have been credentialed minister in the church of God for 30 years. 30 years. I've been preaching for 32. I've been pastoring this last time for 15 years. Half of that time has been right here. And you know what? I've preached to church people. I've done programs with church people. I've taught church people. I've prayed in altars with church people. Our focus has been inside the four walls of this church. That's not all your fault. I, I, I'm just as guilty as you are. But Elisha said, if you need to find your victory, don't come to the prophet. Go to your neighbors. Pay attention. 
She came to the prophet thinking the prophet could help. The prophet said, oh, no, 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 I'm not your answer. Your answer's found by going to your neighbors, by going to your friends. I'm going to tell you, if we've got a little bit of anointing in the house, and we do, then it's time we realize that our greatest treasure, our greatest blessing, our greatest resource does not set inside the church, but rather it is our neighbors on our left and on our right. It's our neighbors at work. It's our neighbors in the grocery store. We need to start focusing more on our neighbors and less on ourselves. We need to start making sure that our services are geared for our neighbors more than they're geared for us. Oh, but pastor... This is the way we're supposed to do church. It's what we've always done. You keep doing what you always done, you keep getting what you always got. Let me tell you something. Elisha didn't tell her, take your anointing and go to the school of prophets. He said, go out and go to your friends and your neighbors. I have read over this. When I preached this before, I read right past the neighbors. I had to add that to my notes tonight. Because I've always talked about the vessels, and we're going to get there in a minute. I've always talked about going and getting the empty vessels and how important that is. But I never understood that the only place we can get the world's leftovers is to go to the world. Why? In God's green earth, do we believe that we can fix our own problems? I love preaching. When Sister Ann gets to go, yeah, that's right, yeah. I preach whole services just to get an oh my. Man, Mike hits me with an oh my, and it's like, oh, But can I tell you something? The death of sin has already been run out of your life. You walk in the victory of the blood of Jesus Christ. The stench of a punishment of eternal death has been forgiven from your life. But yet I preached my whole sermons to hear an amen and an oh my. When out here, there's people that are still bound to bottles. This neighborhood is becoming known for drugs. This, oh, it feels good out there. Uh, I'm hot. It's cool out there. It, they're still lost. We're called Souls Harbor. In case you don't know, I think we make it pretty clear. Some of you, many of you weren't, wasn't around when this happened. I wasn't around when this happened, but I've heard the story. There was some time back, I guess it was about the time the building was built. Am I about right on the time? 
before the building, when they were still in the other building, and growing. There was tongues and interpretation given in this church. It said that this church would be a harbor for hurting souls. And from that tongues and interpretation, I got to tell you the best story I've ever heard for a church name. A lot of times church name is because somebody liked it. Or it won the vote. But this one came from a prophetic utterance. And as long as we understood what our anointing was, we grew. But when we started trying to be the healed and try, instead of trying to find the sick, we began to die. When we started saying, I need to feel better, so I'm going to Souls Harbor. Instead of saying, I need to find somebody that's hurting. I need to find a neighbor that's having pain. I need to find a neighbor who can't see their way through their job loss. I need to find a neighbor who can't see their way through their addiction. I need to find a neighbor who's facing divorce. I need to find a neighbor who's going through a situation. I need to find a neighbor who is bound by sin. And I need to go to them and say, I know a place that's got an anointing for you. I need my neighbor. Elisha says, go to your friends and neighbors. Let me get my glasses so I can see what he says. He says, go to your friends and neighbors. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. He does not say, go to your friends and neighbors. And get as much stuff as they'll give you. He says, go to your friends and neighbors. Give me an empty jar. There's no monster left in it. I like monster. It energizes me. But it's empty. It's empty you hear what Elisha said? He didn't say, go get what you need from your friends. He said, go get what they want to get rid of. See, our neighbors are there, and we're supposed to go get everything that they want to get rid of. Who else has got some jars for me? Lord help, you got a bunch of them. Mountain Dew. Boy, I love this. We got Monster, Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew, and water. Now, one healthy person in church. What what we got here? We got Gold Peak Tea. We got Coke Zero and Gatorade. 
I'll put Coke Zero and Gatorade over here. We got diet. We got diet Dr. Thunder. That's cheap and diet at the same time. We got a milk carton, a water bottle. Give me the bottle. Some people just hard to deal with. Milk carton, water bottle, water bottle, water bottle. You can tell I got those from Beth. Uh, water bottles, another Dr. Thunder can. Your uh, specimen bottle? I, I don't know. Um, a smaller specimen bottle. I think Wanda's got something back here, don't you? Okay. Oh, Billy's got one. Uh, Pastor, what, what are you wasting all this time for? Because I'm getting to something. Nothing that's been brought in tonight and fix my problem. Concord grape jelly. There's a lot of sugar. Let me tell you something. We've got a little bit of anointing, and now the man of God says, go to your neighbors. You need your neighbors, but you need what they want to get rid of. See, if we're going to be a harbor for hurting souls, we got to quit going to our neighbors trying to get what we think we need. And we start need to get, start going to our neighbors and taking what they don't want. You're not getting it yet. We can go out there and we can tell our neighbors, you need to come to church. And they'll look at us and go, eh, yeah, you're right, I need to. We can go to our neighbors and we can say, what's bothering you? What can I take from you that you don't want anymore? Are you, are you feeling hurt? Let me carry that for you. Is your heart broken? Let me carry that for you. Is there pain in your life? Let me take the pain. Let me take the emptiness away. Because now we're not we're not asking our neighbors to give us stuff. We're asking our neighbors to clean their lives out. Oh, all of a sudden, we begin to realize that as long as we've still got neighbors, they still got garbage. As long as we've still got neighbors, they still have heartaches. As long as we've still got neighbors, they still have hurting souls. I'm not going to lie to you, it annoys me sometimes that, that we're a harbor for hurting souls. The people come here hurting, then they get healed and they leave. You know what our problem is? We quit going and get hurting people. We've still got neighbors. 
you still have friends and neighbors who have garbage in their life that they want to get rid of, and it's the garbage in their life is the victory in our life. As long as we have a little bit of anointing and as long as we have neighbors, we have a promise. She goes out and she gathers all the jars. And the Bible says that Elisha said, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour the olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. We're going to get the trash from our neighbors empty. He was very clear, go get empty jars. Then you come into the house and shut the door. And fill the empty jars. Church, we don't go out and get full jars. We go get empty ones. We go get garbage. We go get trash. Our mission is outside the walls. Then we come into the house and we shut the doors and we begin to pour the anointing into their life. I can I tell you if. If we get this wrong, we mess up. I think one of our challenges right now is we've quit going outside the walls. We live in a small town, and too many of us have decided that we've already witnessed to everybody that we know to witness to, which is a bunch of hogwash. You still know somebody's hurting. But I got news for you. If I go out into the street, And I walk into Walmart, and I see somebody, and I know they're hurting. And they go, oh, I've got the answer here. If I start pouring a bottle of anointing oil over somebody's head in the middle of Walmart, I'm going to jail. I'm going to be on the 6 o'clock news in Kansas City. Local pastor in Chillicothe, Missouri, went crazy. Began to pour oil on people in Walmart. But if I go into that same Walmart and I see that same person hurting, and I say, let me take your pain, and then I bring them back here into the house, and then I show them what the anointing is about. And then I pour in the oil and the wine of healing. And as I fill them up, I'm about to mess with some people. I set them to the side. You know what that is? That's them moving on. But I go back out and I get me another empty vessel. And I fill it up. And we begin to understand The Bible says that they went and gathered all that they could gather. And then in verse 6, 
So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Then the verse we read. Soon, every container was filled to the brim. I'm going to tell you, that sounds like a shouting point, but it's the saddest place in the whole story. Every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. As long as we still have empty jars, we still have provision. You know what our challenge is? We have too many full jars in the house. We've started scheduling. We've started laying out our services to make the jar, the full jars happy. And we've forgotten that when the jars are all full, the oil stops. We've began to, to, to program our church to make full jars happy with what's going on. And when there's no more empty jars, there's no more oil. When they're all full, There's no more flow. The full jar is awesome, but it marks the death of the miracle. So, Pastor. How do we keep this going when we realize that as long as we still have empty jars, we still have provision? We need where you were two years ago. I don't know that you're full yet, but you were bone dry two years ago. You were bone dry three years ago. Oh, you had knowledge. You had history, but you didn't have nothing else. Sarah was only about half full a few years back. We need some empty vessels. We need some people that hurt. We need some people that are bound in addiction. It's not easy.
While everything's about you, you have a time and a place, and God has called and placed you. Let's, let's go get some, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God. And then this other person that you helped force everything, they got in the home. And then I come over and I bring Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He wasn't, he wasn't like King. He wasn't open to all. No. God began to
pouring into my heart and this next year last year was a year of prayer this next year is a year outside the walls it's a year of going we're going to do stuff I, I don't even know how it's all going to work I don't even know what it all is yet we're going to do some some more churches in the park. We're going to do some singings. Oh, that's that's all normal. But we're also going to do some other stuff. I don't even know what it is yet. But I'm going to make some people mad. I'm going to make some people mad. And I, and I want to start with this group right here. I want to prepare you. Because we're going to quit programming to make the full happy. And we're going to do what we got to do to find the empty. And if somebody's full and they don't like the way we do it, they can take their full bottle of oil and they go somewhere else. Oh, pastor, that's just rude. No, it's not rude. It's what God said. Because what happened when she filled all the jars and they quit, the oil quit flowing? She went back to the prophet and he said, go and sell it. Get rid of that so that you can be pay off your debt, so you can get out of problems, so you can walk in faith. She could have filled up every jar in the house and said, oh, that's my oil. No. Her house didn't come up, become about the oil. The oil became a vessel, a, a vehicle to get her where she needed to be. I got news for you, church. We've got to change our focus. We got to quit trying to make each other happy. We got to quit trying to make sure that we get what we want. And we got to go get more empty vessels. We got to go get more empty vessels. Elijah didn't say just get a few. As you read, you find out that when the jars ran out, when the jar ran out of oil, uh, he said, go and sell it. And I believe that to many of us, short, I'm trying to read my notes and I can't even read them. I believe that too many of us short what God wants to do in our church and in our lives by saying, I got my two jars. Let someone else get some. I got my anointing. I feel good. We didn't do an anointing service this year. Maybe I was wrong. Oh, why? The anointing service is symbolic. 
nothing special about pouring that oil out. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Until we begin to understand that we constantly need to be bringing in more because we're constantly giving out more. If we ever say, I've, got, I've been anointed twice, I don't need to be anointed anymore. I got my blessing. I had my revival. I, I, I got my good feeling. I'm good. I'm good to go. No, we're not. We got to be out there finding some more empty vessels. Finding some more people to pour into. How do we do that, Pastor? You go to your neighbors. And you take that little bit of anointing you have. And you go to your neighbors. And you say, how can I help? See, a lot of what we're going to do this year is going to come from you. It's not going to come from me. You're going to come in and you're going to say, hey, Pastor, I was talking to my neighbor. And they're going through a divorce. And, 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 and then I found another neighbor and another neighbor. Can, can, can maybe we do a Bible study for, for people going through divorce? Well, I don't know. We, we, we've got Sunday morning service and Sunday night service and Wednesday night service. And, and I, I just don't know if we have time for a Bible study because we're too busy preaching to people that are already full. Come on what we're doing you know how many things we turn down in outreach because we don't have time around our service schedule i'm not telling you i won't get rid of all the services but i'm tired of preaching to people that are full when you're hungry you run to the buffet table when you're full you sit back and wait for somebody to bring you something and we've become a church sitting back waiting for somebody to bring us something we got to change our perspective. Let's go get more empty vessels. You know somebody that's hurting. You know somebody that's in a bad relationship. You know somebody that's lonely. You know somebody that's depressed. You know somebody that's addicted. You know somebody that's sick. A lot of the ministry we're going to do this year is going to be because you're going to come to me and it's not even going to be church programmed. It's going to be pastor. I was talking to this person and, 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 and they, were, they were sick and they, they needed this and, and I just did it. That's pouring out oil. That's grabbing empty vessels. Grabbing empty vessels. There's going to come a time we're going to do some service stuff. We're going to we're going to, I really wanted to rake leaves this year. Really did. And, 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 and then time changed. And, well, when were we going to rake leaves? Well, my plan was we was not going to have church one Sunday night. We was going to go rake leaves. I say this all the time. I, I know I got to close. I say this all the time. I'm going to tell you, and I don't know what, our schedule's going to change. I just, just get ready for it. Some people ain't going to like it. Some of you ain't going to like it. Tough patooties. The schedule's going to change. I don't know how it's, I don't know what it's going to look like yet. I don't know how it's going to change. It's going to change. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sick and tired of coming around springtime 
and driving to church to have a Bible study with 10 people who know the Bible as good as I do while I drive by three and four and five houses where another church is out doing ministry instead of in, in the house being filled up. What are, what are we doing? Not a whole lot more you can pour in here. We've got to change our view. Go get some more empty vessels. They're going to be ugly. They're going to be mismatched. They're not going to look right. But you know what happens when we start filling up vessels? We get Amy's. Amy was hurting. We filled her up. She left. And then I said, Amy, we're hurting. Come fill us up. She is a picture. Go around this church, every one of us. I was hurting when I got here. I was angry when I got here. I had been hurt by ministry. I had been hurt by mistakes. I had been hurt. When I came here, there's a healing. I got news for you. We're going to see people that are hurting. And if we'll just keep grabbing more empty vessels, we fill them up. But quit worshiping the people we filled up. If I can fill you up, now me and you both can go get somebody that's hurting. You know what's going to be amazing to me? When you're not just constantly trying to keep her full, and you've got somebody else you're keeping full, and she's got somebody she's keeping full. And all of a sudden, it becomes a chain reaction because as long as we got some empty vessels, we have provision. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power, your majesty, and your peace. Lord, help us to find empty vessels. Lord Jesus, free us from the bondage of religion and let us get our eyes back on the call you gave us. There are still hurting souls in this city, and we will be their harbor, and we will reach their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Go find.